This program features interviews with respected healthcare industry experts on current topics of substantial national importance. Your host for the program is David Intricasso, a DC-based healthcare policy analyst and researcher. We invite you to comment on the program by visiting thehealthcarepolicypodcast.com. Now, here's David. Welcome to the Healthcare Policy Podcast. Again, I'm the host, David Intracasso. During this podcast, we'll discuss essentially a number, the Unique Medical Device Identifier, or the UDI, that is used or would be used to monitor the safety of medical devices. With me to discuss the topic is the Pew Charitable Trust's Ben Moscovich. Ben, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Ben's bio is, of course, as always, posted on the podcast website. On background, it's difficult, if not possible, to talk about improving healthcare delivery outcomes and cost efficiency if delivering healthcare services is unsafe. Therefore, today we'll discuss another safety related issue the potential use and utility of a unique device identifier, or again, the UDI. The use of medical devices, particularly implantable devices, can be or is dangerous. For example, hip and knee replacement surgeries that number over 1 million annually in the U.S. can result in metal poisoning that in turn can lead to cerebral and nervous system impairments, bone deterioration, infection, and in severe cases, amputation. The use of a UDI offers the ability to approve adverse event reporting and facilitate recalls and corrections, all for the purpose of reducing medical errors or limiting medical errors. With me to discuss where we are in the adoption of a UDI is again Ben Moscovich. For listeners interested in the 510K process by which the FDA approves most medical devices, please listen to my September 25th, 2013 interview with Diana Zuckerman. So with that, Ben, let's begin. On background, what's been the Congress and the FDA's role in this to date? Sure. So let's take a step back. When you go to the grocery store and you buy a pack of gum, that pack of gum has a barcode on it. And if it's scanned at the register, it'll tell the clerk who made it, what it is, what flavor it is, uh, maybe how many uh, pieces of gum are in the pack. Nothing similar existed for medical devices on a national standard scale. And that's really essentially what the Unique Device Identifier, or UDI, is. So uh, Congress, in 2007, given uh, many challenges recalling medical devices and evaluating the safety of medical devices, required that FDA create a UDI system that will allow the agency, manufacturers, hospitals, and other stakeholders to better track devices throughout their life cycle and uh, throughout the healthcare system writ large. In 2012, FDA had not yet finalized the regulations, so Congress again came back and said, FDA, uh, we're now going to put in a timeline for you to finalize the regulations um, and for those UDIs to start appearing on product labels. Uh, in 2013, FDA finalized the UDI rule, and last year, the highest risk devices started bearing these UDI codes, uh, and this year, all implantable, life-saving, and life-sustaining medical devices will have these UDIs. And these are the class three, is that correct? So the class three is the highest risk, got uh, UDIs last year, and class twos will get UDIs next year, uh, and then regardless of class, implantable, life-sustaining, and life-saving uh, products will have UDIs this year. 
Okay, so that was uh, over the last few years, and I know part of this is there's a timeline involved in all this, and we'll get to that. But what needs to happen now to achieve uh, the actual uh, benefit from the UDI? Sure. So what, what are the benefits of the UDI system? Um, first, if UDI is included in various databases, that information can be used to evaluate the performance of devices over time. Some of these databases today, for example, don't include the specific brand or model of, of a device or uh, don't, on a standard way, describe which device was used. Adding the UDI into those databases provides an unambiguous way to conduct the research. Um, another benefit is for recalls. We know from the Government Accountability Office, uh, from a report they issued several years ago, that more than half of the highest risk recalls conclude without all devices removed from the market or accounted for. Uh, similarly, it'll help with care coordination. If a patient receives an implant from one physician and goes sees another physician for follow-up care or needs to go to the emergency room, for example, it's very difficult for them to know which specific brand or model of device is implanted in that patient unless they have a standard information. The UDI can provide that. Uh, similarly with adverse event reports. So uh, uh, patients and providers can submit adverse event reports to FDA when something goes wrong with a product. We know that adverse event reports are, aside from being grossly underreported, often include uh, incomplete information or incorrect information about the product. Should the UDI be added to adverse event reports, then those reports will have much more specific information about the device used to really help FDA identify which uh, safety issues are occurring. And there is, you'll likely note, but there is a proactive reason for this, which is if a device shows it hasn't had recall or safety issues, we would hope that would be more widely used. Right, exactly. Uh, once we have better data on the performance of products, it both, both works to identify safety issues and to identify the devices that perhaps are working better than anticipated. Okay, let's go to some of the specifics here. Because this has to do with uh, the UDI as it relates to electronic health records, as it relates to providers satisfying federal meaningful use quote-unquote requirements, and also having the UDI included as a data field in the medical claims form. Let's start with the claims form issue because that's pretty pregnant at the moment. Sure. So uh, what are the specific benefits to UDI and claims? I'll also note that uh, unless this UDI system is used, it's not going to accrue uh, the full potential of the new system. Uh, and the way it's used is through its adoption and incorporation into various electronic health information sources. You mentioned EHRs, electronic health records, and claims as two of those sources. And they really have uh, both essential and complementary benefits, but each is not uh, sufficient on their own. Uh, so what benefits are there with claims? Well, um, Claims are already used by FDA, researchers, health plans, registries, and others to evaluate the performance of drugs and to understand outcomes associated with different procedures. The challenge is that claims currently only list the procedure that occurred, but not which device was used. So for example, if a patient uh, received an implanted hip, the claim would indicate that there was a hip implantation surgery but not which brand or model of hip was implanted. Adding the UDI to the claim would uh, provide that level of specificity. So let's just stay with the claims form. Where are we at this point in time relative to it being a data field on the claims form? 
So there is a cycle where the claims form is updated on a periodic basis, uh, and there's a current process that this one standard setting organization is evaluating the benefits of UDI and, uh, and whether it could, should be sent from the hospitals to health plans. Uh, we, Pew, have been working with uh, several other stakeholders, including uh, several large hospitals like Geisinger and Mercy, and as well as health plans like Aetna, uh, with that organization on explaining the benefits of UDI transmission from the provider to the health plan and whether it should be incorporated into claims. And there are, you mentioned some that are proponents of this, but then there are others who are, let's just say, not supportive. Sure. Name them or not, but what is their counter-argument? Sure. So, so the supporters of this really um, identify several benefits. We've talked about the post-market surveillance benefits, but there are also other ones. For example, Edna has indicated that uh, they're essentially reimbursing for procedures involving these products, and they could conduct analyses to know uh, how different products are performing. Uh, similarly, with, uh, with recalls, the health plan could assist with recalls, uh, given that currently, as GAO indicated, uh, more than half of high-risk recalls conclude without all devices accounted for. There are um, some objections, of you, as you mentioned, which um, were spelled out, for example, in a letter that CMS, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, sent to Senators Grassley and Warren, in, in which the Wall Street Journal uh, reported on. Earlier this year. That's right. So, uh, so Senators Warren and Grassley had sent uh, CMS a letter asking about how CMS could use the UDI in order to improve post-market surveillance, improve patient safety, improve fraud and abuse, and so forth. Uh, in response, CMS indicated that there might be some technical challenges with incorporating the UDI on the claim. Now, it's worth noting that the new claims form and all the other administrative transactions are going to be updated anyways, regardless of whether there's a field for UDI. So the investments and the uh, additional procedures that would need to be undertaken on uh, for hospitals and health plans will occur regardless. Uh, the additional the addition of a field for UDI is incremental to those changes that will already occur. Okay, so we're in this odd position where the former administrator was of this viewpoint. She's now left as the administrator of CMS. Has CMS stated, or will they stay in the near term, a, few, uh, uh, a revised position, or they'll stay with it? Where will they uh, remain? I think it's a great question for CMS, uh, but I will say that uh, there have been others within the administration who have indicated the value of UDI in claims. For example, FDA in its uh, post-market surveillance plans have, has stated that UDI in claims would, uh, is really a pillar to uh, improve post-market surveillance. Similarly, in her confirmation process, Secretary Burwell was asked about this issue from uh, Senator Warren. And she was supportive. And she stated that FDA's Sentinel program would benefit through the inclusion of UDI in claims. And um, the Sentinel program, what it is, it was required by FDA for drugs in 2007, and then Congress required its expansion in 2012. It's a post-market surveillance system that uses primarily claims data sources to evaluate drug safety. If, as Congress required in 2012, uh, FDA were to use Sentinel for devices, then Sentinel needs some access to which devices are being used. 
given that claims are the primary data source, claims really need to have UDI in them for Sentinel to expand as Congress directed. When does this get resolved? It's a, it's a great question, and a lot of stakeholders are working uh, hard on this. As I mentioned, uh, there's a, a growing coalition of support for UDI and claims. Um, Pew, uh, ACOs, large health systems, uh, patient groups, uh, provider groups and surgeons uh, and patient groups uh, and consumer groups as well, nonprofits, post-market surveillance experts. There's also uh, interest in Congress. Uh, I already mentioned the interest from uh, Senators Warren and Grassley, but also in the House, uh, Congressman Pascrell from New Jersey uh, asked Secretary Burwell about this issue at a hearing uh, a couple weeks ago. And he's also uh, brought this up at a legislative markup where uh, Congress Chairman Brady, who's the chairman of the Health Subcommittee of the, of the Ways and Means Committee, uh, indicated that he would work with uh, Congressman Pascrell on this issue. So the Congress may push this issue or force this issue. So there's a lot of interest in Congress on this issue. Let me ask about this, uh, this harmonization is the word you see. Where are we relative to the rest of the world on this? particularly the EU? So our focus has been on the U.S. implementation of UDI. Uh, we do know that there are um, efforts underway uh, elsewhere to uh, examine what we're doing here, um, but I would, uh, I would not be an expert on, on what's going on there. Okay, okay, good enough. So let me ask you to um, sort of handicap this You've been working this issue diligently for at least the past year, likely longer. What's, uh, what's your handicap? How do you think this evolves over the next, say, through this calendar year and into next year? So uh, it's a great question, and there's, uh, there's a lot of momentum, as I mentioned, from all the groups that are supportive. Uh, what's important to note is that the next claim form update is currently anticipated for perhaps 2018, 2019, 2020, something uh, along those lines. And uh, there is an implementation period for that new claim form. If we want UDI to be included in that update, there is uh, the window is closing to add a, a field and to recommend a field to be included in that claim form. Should we miss this update, then uh, it'll be several years later until we can add a field to the claim form. So we're talking about the late 2020s. Uh, which is simply too long to wait to collect better data on the performance and safety of medical devices and expand the Sentinel program to devices as uh, required by Congress. And I did mention there was, uh, by Congress, a, a calendar that they proposed. So this would be keeping in that and fulfilling that calendar. So there is a, a schedule, schedule for, for, for uh, implementation, up, updating the claims form. Right. And so if we wanted to do it with the, all the other changes that are being uh, proposed for the next version of the claims form, then uh, the window is closing. Okay, okay. Just to circle back on one uh, issue we didn't get to. So we talked about the claims form, but there is also related movement afoot under this meaningful use definition. Let's just touch upon that briefly. So meaningful use is prescribed by the federal government such that if you want a certain reimbursement under Medicare, you have to meet meaningful use criteria and the use of health information technology. How does this play into that? Sure. So the Office of the National Coordinator for Health IT sets the criteria for what fields and capabilities EHRs need to have. Uh, to meet the meaningful use definition. To meet the meaningful use uh, objectives. That's right. So ONC has proposed 
two primary things. The first is to create an implantable device list within the EHR where the UDI could be listed. That uh, list would also sync with FDA's uh, UDI database called GoodID to pull human readable information into the EHR. So it wouldn't say just a number, it would also indicate uh, which product and which manufacturer that number refers to. Uh, and the second thing, uh, primary thing that the rule would do is create a common clinical data set that is basically a summary of some key information about the patient's health history, such as their medications and uh, uh, di primary diagnoses. Uh, and they've proposed included the, including the implanted device list as part of that common clinical data set. The way that's used is it's exchanged between providers so that different providers have all the uh, uh, critical information about that patient's health history. So for example, if you get a hip uh, implant in one hospital and go seek care at another hospital, it's important for them to know which device is mm -hmm. implanted in your body. And the common clinical data set, uh, when it's, it's exchanged among EHRs, would help support uh, that care coordination. And that's proposed under the Stage 3 Meaningful Use, correct? So that's the certification criteria associated with Stage 3 Meaningful Use. And the uh, CMS, which sets the objectives for the Meaningful Use program, uh, includes an objective to exchange the common clinical data set, which would, given that UDI is included there, support the exchange of UDI among providers. What's important as well is that the common clinical data set is, used in, uh, is now being used elsewhere as a summary of what's important to exchange among providers. For mm -hmm. example, uh, CMS just issued a proposed rule on the condi conditions of participation for long-term uh, care facilities mm -hmm. in that they uh, mentioned that as a condition of participation in the Medicare program, UDI needs to be exchanged from these long-term care facilities to uh, other facilities. This is important, for example, if uh, an individual at a long-term care facility goes to a hospital with chest pain uh, to the emergency room, that the doctors there know which device is implanted in that patient uh, if they for, uh, to provide care. They have a defib, right. Right, and similarly, if, if the patient, for example, is uh, transferred to hospice, it's important for the hospice to know if they have an uh, implantable defibrillator and which brand or model in case, case they need to... Uh, Turn it off. Turn it off, yes, to be direct. Well, Ben, thank you so much. We're at our time boundary. Thank you for a discussion of this topic, very important and appreciative. Thank you very much. You have just heard another edition of the Healthcare Policy Podcast hosted by David Intricasso. To comment on this program or others, to see information about upcoming interviews, to suggest a program topic, or to hear an archive program, please visit our website thehealthcarepolicypodcast.com. Thank you for listening, and please listen again soon.